Welcome, New Song family. We're glad to have you here for the New Song Nuts and Bolts session. This is our 12th teaching in the New Song Foundation, and it's definitely going to be our most practical session of everything that we've done so far. You're going to have a lot of things that fall into the category of guidelines and some things that fall into the category of this is who we are. This is mandatory. And so we'll guide you through that as we go along. We want to start with a few givens. As we launch into this session today, we're assuming that number one, you're in agreement with New Song's distinctives. And those distinctives are available at our website, newsong.life. Number two, we're going to assume that you are submitted to the spiritual authority of New Song's elder team. And number three, we're going to assume that you've committed to working through the entire foundation's training, the curriculum, and the vision statement as a leadership team. So with that, let's talk about leadership What is expected of you as a leader? Number one, you're going to want to start with a leadership team, and that's going to be at least two people, a leader and a co-leader. That's obviously not a requirement. It is something that we would strongly encourage. As we have worked with New Song leadership teams, we have seen the need and a healthy need at that for respite for leaders, for encouragement for leaders, and for just that iron sharpening iron experience of working with other leaders. So if you can avoid launching solo, we would strongly recommend that you do that. Okay, number two, it's expected of you as a leader to identify and raise up gifts in your church family. We're talking about the five-fold gifts. We're talking about worship leaders. We're talking about supernatural discernment, people that have that gift. We're talking about administrative people and hosting families, etc. Part of your job is to recognize these gifts in people and call them out and raise up and train those gifts. And obviously the list that Chris just gave is a partial list because the Word of God gives very extensive lists of the spiritual gifts that we are looking for as leaders to raise people up into. And so you want to be mindful asking the Holy Spirit for wisdom. Show me, Lord, what are those gifts that are in the flock that I am covering? And how can I help to encourage those that I'm shepherding or leading to walk in the fullness of those gifts, the fullness of who they were created to be in the Spirit? Okay, number three, you're going to want to develop and steward a sense of community. Let's open that up a little bit. Yeah, community is so important. We can't emphasize it enough. What does community look like? Well, it really essentially looks like doing life together. Healthy community means that we live together, we play together, we work together, we challenge each other, we encourage each other, we pray for one another, we minister to each other. All of those things are done within an atmosphere of safety, of transparency, of love, and of genuine service to one another. Let's go to number four. Stay connected to leaders. The first thing we want you to do is, as a leadership team, you should be meeting weekly. 
That's right. And look for those in your house church that you can raise up into a place of leadership, co-leadership with you so that you are gathering those leaders around you that can be raised up to at some point launch to multiply a new house church. So you want to meet with those leaders, those that you are discipling into a place of leadership, bring them in disciple them in that time, encourage them, challenge them, exhort them in that time, and stay connected to them as leaders when you meet for that leadership gathering. And we don't just want to add a bunch of meetings to your schedule. So the ideal way to do this would be to tack it on before a Sunday gathering or after a Sunday gathering. The best way to do this is usually include some sort of a debrief of how our Sunday meeting went, refining each other, and then calling each other up into excellence. And so one of the ways that we can best do this is have our meeting occur right at the same time as the Sunday morning meeting, either before or after. You're also going to want to meet once a month with other New Song House Church leaders in your region. If you don't have other house churches in your region, then that's not an issue. And the last is the bi-monthly meeting with all of the New Song leaders that we do in a Zoom format. This is a really great opportunity to get to know each other, to pray for each other, to be encouraged by each other, to prophesy over each other, and to just really love on each other and build each other up as a team. Okay, so stay connected to leaders. Now let's look at number five. Download and use the apps. You've got to keep your community plugged in. Now we're talking about Telegram. We use that for all group communication. And then the New Song Life app, which is for giving and for the podcast teaching and for the original worship music. So make sure that you not only download those apps and use them, but get familiar with them so that you can help your church family get familiar with those apps also. Okay, that's pretty simple. Let's move on to a really essential part of this teaching today, and that is what do our weekly gatherings look like? We actually get asked this question pretty frequently from within and without the New Song family. So we kind of want to go over both guidelines and expectations of the things that make a New Song Church gathering look like a New Song Church gathering. So let's focus on five different aspects of what it looks like. The first is you need to meet in a home whenever possible. Now, we've talked about the importance of launching anywhere, a coffee shop, a park, etc. There are lots of places where you can meet as a microchurch. However, it's become very clear to us over time that the best possible place to meet, the preferred place, would be in a home, in somebody's actual living room, some place where there is a sense of family, of it being personal, intimate, and close-quartered. Remember, when we talk about a home, that does not mean that the home has to have a certain capacity or a certain look or aesthetic or feel. The point is not the size of the home or necessarily how the home seems to fit or accommodate a home church gathering. The focus is, as Chris mentioned, a sense of family, a sense of welcome, a sense of safety. 
All right, number two, meeting on Sundays. Okay, when we talk about meeting on Sundays, even though this is not mandatory, the reason we highly recommend this is because of several issues. First of all, culture. The expectation is that a church gathering is on Sundays, and that permeates most of our Western culture still to this day. Number two, if you have a group of people that show up at some other time or at an evening, it's highly possible that they don't really think of your gathering as church, that they think of it as something else like a worship night or a Bible study or a club or some other activity other than church. And there are a couple really great tests for this. The first is switch it to Sunday morning just temporarily, like just one occasion. If you test that out and you find that half of the people don't show up, it tells you right away they clearly don't think of New Song as their church. And number two, the tithe. This is a really big tell because people are going to tithe where they feel this is my home church, this is my tribe, this is my community. And if they're not tithing at New Song, it's a really big tell for you as a pastor that your community doesn't see what they're doing as church. They're not going to treat it like a church family. They're not going to be involved and engaged like a church family. They're not going to try to build community like a church family does. Obviously, our goal would be that we could meet at any point during the week, whether it be on a Tuesday night, a Saturday morning, or a Sunday morning, and that there would be no difference in those times as far as how that affects community building, how it affects true discipleship, how it affects the individuals in your gathering acting like the church. That would be our heart. That would be our goal. But as we have walked through the process with several different home churches of trying to transition Transition them into a greater sense of community, we have seen that Sunday mornings is a key. So we would encourage you, if you're not meeting on a Sunday morning, pray about it. Ask the Lord to lead you and guide you and perhaps take a step of faith into that Sunday morning gathering. You will likely lose some of those who have been attending because they will feel that tension between what they've been doing at New Song and wherever else they might be worshiping on Sunday morning. We consider that to be a healthy thing. We consider that to be something that the Lord actually works through in gathering to you those who truly have a heart to commit to worship with you, do life with you, and be in community with you. Okay, let's move on to number three, and that's keep it small. We've talked about this in previous sessions, the idea that as this gets too big, it becomes very challenging for you to pastor everyone. Even if you have a leadership team of three or even four pastors, there are only so many people that you're going to be able to shepherd each week in and out along with your job and your other responsibilities. And so, Practically speaking, it's difficult to shepherd a large group of people, but also a smaller group of people in a living room together is going to actually accomplish what we enjoy and value at New Song in our Sunday morning gatherings, and that is the entire body participating, just as Paul encourages us to do, everyone bringing his or her gift. And so when you've got 30 people that becomes very difficult. 
If you've got 10 or 12 people, it's actually very doable. And so if you keep it small and you keep the idea of multiplication uppermost in everyone's mind, then this begins to perpetuate itself. Let's move on to number four. We would encourage you to plan to meet ahead of time before your Sunday gathering or your weekly gathering begins so that you can pray as a leadership team. There are several reasons for this. First of all, it gets you as a team in tune with one another. How has the Lord been speaking to you throughout the week? What has He been saying to you about your corporate gathering? Secondly, it gives you the opportunity to pivot. If in that moment, as you begin praying, the Holy Spirit begins speaking and begins to redirect or give a download of wisdom or guidance for how He wants to work that morning, you will be ready as a team to hear Him, to pray into that, and then strategize on how He might be leading you to do that in the context of your corporate gathering. Yeah, and that leadership prayer time, it could be used also as worship so that you can prepare your hearts and prepare the room and kind of reset the environment for hosting His presence as a group. There's so many important aspects of leadership prayer ahead of our gathering time. And one last thing I would like to tack on to that is it actually provides you an opportunity to minister to one another. And at New Song, that is a priority for us, that we as leaders are able to minister to one another, to pour into one another so that we can continue to pour out the way that the Lord is leading us to do so for those that we are shepherding. So if as you're gathering together for prayer, the Holy Spirit begins to say, Hey, stop right now. Just pray over one another. Just minister to one or the other of you that needs to have the stuff from the week just washed away. Take the time to do that. Take the time to pour into one another through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, number five. During the meeting time, our weekly Sunday gathering, you want to have these different elements involved. I'm going to break it down into four different elements. Number one, Launch with worship. Now, of course, the Holy Spirit may lead otherwise, but if He doesn't, you should assume the priority is worship. Start with worship. Focus on worship. Minister to Jesus. Lavish Him. We're going to talk more about that in a few minutes. Okay, number two, don't forget to include and emphasize communion. It can be far too easy to forget communion because there's so many other things going on and we're challenging you right now. Please don't forget communion. Make it a priority. Number three, tune into the transitions. For example, during worship, pay attention to where Jesus is moving next. Is he headed toward the prophetic toward healing? Is it time for declarations or exhortations? Is it time for an impromptu or unplanned teaching? Pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is doing in the room for the transitions. Transitions are something that I feel are incredibly crucial. And yet as leaders, oftentimes, I would say the majority of the time, we don't get training on how to transition well. So I want to exhort you as a leader, practice this. 
Practice this individually. Practice this as a team. Give each other feedback specifically on transitions, not because you want to create a show or you want to be super polished or come across as some amazing orator, but we want to encourage you. Transitions are really the turning points for our gatherings. And oftentimes we can zip right past them because we have in our heads what we felt like the Holy Spirit showed us about the agenda for the morning or something that is stirring in our own hearts that we feel like, oh, no, 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 we've taken too long on this. We should just move right ahead. Don't do that. Be sensitive in your spirit to transitions. And transitions actually require a lot of boldness. They require courage. They require risk. Transitions during a weekly gathering can be some of the most risky moments that you will have during your time together. That's because transitions are where the Holy Spirit is moving us from one specific direction into another direction. And oftentimes that can go against the grain of expectation. It can oftentimes require a faith risk on the part of a leader in the room. It could feel awkward or clunky. Exactly. And so we have to learn to hone our transitional ears to the Holy Spirit, then be willing to make ourselves even look foolish at times to step out in faith, to transition well to where the Holy Spirit is wanting to take us. One of the things that you can do as you're learning how to grow in your transitional skills is if there's a point where as a leadership team, you literally in real time feel like, oh, we missed it. We were supposed to go in this direction and we actually headed in the opposite direction. We actually missed the moving of the spirit. Stop what you're doing. Let everybody know, hey, we missed it. We feel like we actually need to take a couple steps back and go back to the place where you felt the Holy Spirit was last moving and directing and relaunch from that place. Now, that takes humility, it takes courage, and it takes boldness. But we've seen that happen in New Song Gatherings, and it is so powerful. And the growth that happens in you as a leader when you're willing to do that will be exponential. Mm-hmm. That's good. Okay. And the last point here in elements of our meeting time together is be prepared to teach. Okay. And I do mean, even if you've asked somebody else to teach, and I also want you to make space for others. I'm talking about those who are trusted in your group in case they have a word. And I do want to ask you at minimum, read a chapter of the Bible in your time together. Now we're going to open up teaching a little bit more in just a minute. Okay, let's shift gears now and talk about critical keys. These are priorities for New Song, and so we want to spend a little bit of extra time explaining some of these issues. The first is kids. Now, this is a big one. Now, look, if children are present, focus on them. Now, I'm not talking about at the risk of not focusing on Jesus And we're not talking about dumbing down our gathering to the level of kids. But we always want to be calling our kids up and higher. And we do have a three-part teaching series on this in our equipping course. And so we would encourage you to listen to that audio teaching series so that you can begin to incorporate kids into your weekly gathering. 
One of the things I want to encourage you to be on your guard against, and that is setting the kids aside so that the adults can focus on adult time during your gathering. That is a mistake that all of us can fall into, especially those of us who are coming out of a legacy church mindset where the church has done probably a really great job at entertaining our kids, teaching our kids, having Sunday school time for our kids. And so we've been able as adults to just focus on adult time in the service. With a house church gathering, our primary job aside from ministering to Jesus is to disciple our kids into the things of the kingdom. Now we do that as we do church. As adults, as kids, as families, we're doing church. And in that process of doing church, living as the church in a gathering, we are discipling our children. This is what church looks like, and you are a vital part of that. So we cannot set our kids aside in order to feel like we have accomplished a really healthy church gathering. Neither can we swing the pendulum to the other side and dumb everything down, as Chris said, so that all of our folks focus is at a kid level, leaving the adults in need of some genuine meat to chew on. So be aware of those two pitfalls that you can fall into, but I want to encourage you, let your kids learn from doing. Let them be part of your gathering. Have them lay hands on people. Have them pray for people. Have them help lead worship. Have them serve communion. Have them learn to listen to those who are teaching with honor and with self-control. And again, we open all of that up in much more detail in our three-part teaching on Kids in Church. That's right. Okay, so let's move into this next really big topic, worship. Okay, you're getting ready to launch a new Songhouse Church, and you're frantically looking for a worship leader, somebody that can play guitar or piano or kazoo. At this point, you don't really care. You just want a worship leader. Here's the thing I want to tell you. Don't wait for a gifted worship leader before you launch House Church. If needed, start out a cappella. Start without a worship leader. Imagine with me for just a minute, New Testament church sending people out to start a new church and saying, wait, wait, wait a minute. We don't have a worship leader for that fellowship yet. So it's kind of a silly thought to think about in New Testament terms. And that's the challenge that we want to give ourselves today in this environment. The Lord will bring a worship leader in time. If you don't have one immediately, don't let that stop you. Remember, all you have to have is worshiping hearts. The Father is looking for those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. And if you come together, even without an instrument, you have your voices, lift Him up and glorify His name. You have an opportunity every time you meet to reiterate what the table means. And we've talked about that in previous podcasts. You're ministering to Jesus. You get to open that up in your fellowship. Probably every Sunday wouldn't be too much. Talk again about what it means to minister to Jesus. Don't settle for anything less than lavish worship. Do whatever it takes to accomplish that environment. You need to exhort. You need to admonish. Call each other up teach on this subject. Don't let it be a so-so worship environment. Your worship leaders should also 
be committed to go through the podcast training. We have worship leading instruction for both advanced worship leaders and beginner worship leaders available for them to listen to. That's critical training that not only should a worship leader listen to, but if you have a worship leader that's come into your midst, you should probably also listen to that training as well so that you know what that worship leader is being instructed in and you can help to keep them accountable to this learning process. And I just want to add that as a leader, the way that you choose to worship sets the tone, sets the atmosphere thermometer, so to speak, for worship in your house church. So if you have no instruments, if you are worshiping a cappella, do it with all your heart. Be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit as he leads you to be pulling back and be quiet, as he leads you to shout unto the Lord, as he leads you to get down on your face, literally on the ground, as he leads you to dance and to clap. All of those things are setting the example and literally causing a worship atmosphere to be cultivated in your midst. As a leader, that should be your posture. Do not look to a worship leader, quote unquote, to do that for your body, to do that for your family gathering. That should be your responsibility. So practice that at home. Take time in your quiet time to worship Jesus, to be at his feet, on your face, on your knees, in worship before him so that when you come together on Sundays or whenever you're gathering, you are ready to lavish him. Yeah, don't let anything stand in the way of deep, authentic, lavish worship of the King every time you meet. Okay, let's talk about communion. This is another critical one. As we mentioned a minute ago, it's easy to overlook communion. We often have a tendency to forget it or kind of drop it in at the last minute because we don't want to forget about it. And so let's recalibrate our thinking and realize that communion is critical. We do it in obedience, but it's so much more than an act of obedience. It's, it's life-giving. It's perspective-shifting. It detoxifies us. It binds us together, not only as a small community of believers, but also as the church at large, and even binds us together with the church from the past. And as we go all the way back to our first century brothers and sisters in Christ, who for many of them, communion was a major purpose for their getting together weekly. Our culture has lost a lot of that significance and, and even the power of communion. And so we've included a three-part teaching series on the subject of communion by Francis Chan, and it's in the foundation's teaching under the equipping session. We feel like it's critical, and we'd like to ask you to begin to rethink the power, significance, and priority of communion. That's right. Well, Let's talk about teaching. At Newsong, we believe that every leader should be prepared to teach at all times. In other words, you should have in your back pocket something that the Lord's been talking to you about in your daily devotion time with Him, something the Holy Spirit might have whispered to you on a Sunday morning leadership time. Whatever it might be, you need to be ready to pull it out and to use it to bless your family gathering time. That being said, we also firmly believe that as leaders, you need to make space for those in your church family to bring something to share as well. 
This is going to take some intentionality on your part as a leader, because for so long in the Western church, we have looked at the teacher as being synonymous with the pastor. And even if that isn't always the case, it is such a pervasive idea that we can pretty much guarantee most of the people in your home church will have some measure of this perception. And that's going to take an intentional effort on your part to bring them into a space of, oh, no, wait, I have something to bring. The Holy Spirit has been speaking to me this week. He's been challenging me. He's been encouraging me. I need to share that with my brothers and sisters. And that might actually develop into a two or three week teaching that we can all chew on together. So as a leader, again, you need to be prepared, but you need to be just as prepared to encourage those in your church family. Yeah, that's right. And you know what? We want to demystify teaching because it's become this uh, this industry, if you will. And so the expectation is, oh, I've, I've got to be a teacher, so I've got to bring this three-point polished thing. Now, we're not talking about not bringing excellence, but we are talking about cultural expectations that get in the way of the simple presentation of the gospel. Okay, so there's about four ways that we want to challenge you with regard to how we think a teaching should be brought. Number one, it should be a rhema word. It should be fashioned by the Holy Spirit strategically for the body in that moment. Number two, it needs to be meat and not milk. And that, yes, that is even with the kids there in the room. Again, we want to call the kids up into spiritual maturity. So we're teaching to the vision, not to the least common denominator. I want to add to this, I think oftentimes the question becomes then, well, what about the new believers in the room? Do we just start feeding them meat right away? And our response to that would be, Yes, you do. However, this is where the element of discipleship becomes so important. So those who are part of your gathering who are new believers should not be looking to your Sunday family gathering time as the place where they're getting the bulk of their teaching. They should be experiencing discipleship throughout the week by those mature believers in the church who are pouring into them the basics of Christian living, the basics of a transformed life the basics of discipleship so that when they come on Sunday, they will have some kind of scope or structure with which they can filter the meat that you're giving them and put it in the appropriate place, maybe to chew on two months later, six months later, a year later, but they will still have some kind of grid with which to experience that. Okay, and number three, this is really important. We believe that a teaching should be birthed out of the overflow of the intimacy between Jesus and the teacher. Okay, so in other words, this means the teacher doesn't study so that he can bring a good preach. Instead, it means that the teacher has a spirit-inspired word because he or she studies and spends time with Jesus, practices intimacy with Jesus. Okay, and then number four, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, if nothing else, open up the Word and read a chapter and discuss it as a group. It's as simple as that, where we honor the Scripture, where we include others, and where we make space for His presence to meet us through the reading of the Word. Okay, so let's move on to another critical topic at New Song, and that is giving. 
Okay, we want to be clear that we practice centralized giving. And you already know that because you've read New Song Distinctives. So what that means is giving is collected corporately. And we do this for two primary reasons. The first is it reduces network-wide administrative efforts. And the second is it balances out financial disparities from region to region. So in other words, if you have a pastor that is leading a house church in a low income area, that means a low tithing area. And so if we're pooling our giving, we're able to provide some help for that pastor, whereas he might not be able to be supported by the tithes from his particular house church. But what I want to focus on right now are some of the challenges that you are going to face as a house church when it comes to giving. The first is that because you're a house church, people believe that you have no financial need. There's no building, right? So there can't be any financial need. So it's just this psychological thing where people think, well, you don't need my money. Number two, there's a personality type that is often associated with the kind of person that ends up at a house church. That is a more free-thinking person, a little bit more independent spirit, maybe even kind of a loose cannon. And this is the type of person who doesn't want to be told about giving and tithing, and they really don't want to be constrained, and they probably don't give at a legacy church also. And so this is often the personality type who walks into a house church environment, and so you need to be aware of that. And these first two points are kind of validated by the statistics that we have available to us that say that house church tithing is significantly lower per capita than traditional church tithing. So what do you do about this? Talk about it. Open it up. You need to teach on it. You need to cast vision and call people up, not from the standpoint of new song needs your money, but from the standpoint of this is part of your training. This is part of discipleship. You're going to multiply. You need to be on board and aware of what tithing looks like, what giving looks like. If you feel unequipped to teach on tithing, there are some great resources out there that you can dig into that will give you basic biblical principles on the tithe and how that will bless your life. We want you to be encouraged. This is something that is scriptural to teach on especially for those who are new to the faith, who have just come to know Jesus, they need to know and understand that when they trust the Lord as their Savior, that means He's the Lord of their entire life, including their finances. We also want them to know hey, he's got you. He will take care of you. You will actually experience blessing as you choose to by faith, step out into risk in this area. Mm. And for those who aren't new Christians but have known the Lord for a long time, we want you to encourage them that the tithe that they bring to your house church actually benefits all different gatherings in many different places, even around the world, not just to support pastors and leaders, but also the communities that those house churches are in. They are able to reach their communities, bless the poor and the needy, the single moms, the orphans, all of those things that each of those house churches are doing. So don't hesitate to share, to remind, and to encourage. All right, let's go to the last topic here, and that is new song culture. We want to talk about some of the unique characteristics of new songs culture, including 
these perspectives. First of all, collective. This is something unique to New Song, and it's as simple as meeting collectively with other New Song house churches in your region monthly. Collective is actually one of our favorite parts of a New Song house church gathering because of the fellowship time that we get to share after we gather together for worship, because we get to be encouraged by what the Lord is doing in each of the house churches that are gathering together for that collective. We get to see friends that maybe we were in house church with them six months before, and now we've multiplied and we don't get to see them as often. That brings a lot of joy. There, there are just so many benefits to collective. It has nothing but positive impact on the church at large. We have a lot of feedback regarding collective because it's great to mix the different DNAs together. And for example, you'll have a house church that doesn't have any kids at all. It's Let's say it's all young people. And you'll have a house church that's a lot of families. And they love getting together and mixing together because the cross-pollination is so beneficial. It's so helpful for us to see others in the same type of new song environment and how they flow. Collective also gives us a fantastic opportunity to share testimony. And that testimony becomes fuel for the fire that burns in each of these house churches because what we begin to do is we say, oh, but the Lord did that over at that house church. We want to see him do it now for us. Maybe that very thing that you as a leadership team have been praying about is brought to Collective by another house church and they share that testimony and it releases something in the spirit within your church family. So take the time to not only share testimonies, but also to allow the gifts to be demonstrated through the different house churches. As Chris said, each house church will have its own individual flavor, its own DNA. And each of those flavors can be on display, can be shared, can be rejoiced in, in that collective time Mm -hmm. so that it rubs off, so that we get to be blessed by that. We actually get the overflow from every one of these gatherings. And it's also really great sharing a meal together. So we love Collective and we look forward to your house church multiplying so that you'll be able to experience that on a monthly basis in your area. All right. Another unique cultural perspective for New Song is reproducibility. Now we can call it replicatability, duplicatability, all of these tongue twister words meaning the same thing. And that is that from the very beginning, you want to be telling those attending, don't get comfortable. You need to develop a mindset of duplicating this in other homes, multiplying. Again, We want to break off the country club mindset of, wow, this is a comfortable, warm, close environment that I don't ever want to give up on. That feels great and it really appeals to the flesh, but it doesn't accomplish kingdom. And so how you multiply is by transferring that thought process into the mindsets of everyone in your fellowship from the very beginning. Talk about it teach on it, prepare their hearts for it, continually reminding everybody in the body, you're going to do this. You're going to multiply. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody is going to lead a house church. That doesn't mean that everybody is going to host a house church, but everybody's going to be involved in more ways. 
And remember, the purpose for multiplication is so that we make room for those who are coming in through salvation. New mm-hmm. believers, baby believers, getting saved, coming into a house church, being discipled. That's why we multiply as we go into new neighborhoods, as we go into new regions, as new house churches, more and more people should be experiencing the love of Christ, the impact of the salt and light that we bring to their neighborhood, the service that we bring to them to lay down our lives for them. This is why we multiply so that we can reach the lost in our city. That's right. And I want to segue right off of that into our last topic in the subject of New Song's unique culture. And that is, we believe that we're on mission 24-6. Okay, let me explain that. Our weekly gathering is not an outreach. It's not evangelism. This gathering is not for the comfort or pleasure of new believers, of visitors, of regular members, of kids. It's only for Jesus. Now, the rest of the week, the rest of our lives should be missional. We should continually be encouraging one another to take authority in our mountain of influence, to use our sphere, our neighborhood, our marketplace, our business, etc., to build relationships with pre-believers, to minister to pre-believers, to disciple pre-believers, and then to save and baptize them into the kingdom. This is our calling and our commission. But it's 24-6, not 24-7. We believe our weekly Sunday gathering should always solely be about ministering to the King of Kings. And as we do that, the overflow of that ministry refills us, recharges us, refreshes us, causes us to be bound together in our hearts in unity as a family, causes us to be propelled forward in our mission. All of those things come out of the overflow as we minister to Jesus single-mindedly. All right, so we've talked about some of the cultural aspects of New Song. We've talked about some of the critical elements for New Song. We've talked about what's it look like on an actual Sunday gathering. We've talked about what's expected of you as a leader of a New Song church. And so there are probably many more practical things that we could talk about, but this leaves enough for you to chew on for quite some time. We love you, we're proud of you, we're praying for you. And we're looking forward to the testimonies of what God is doing in your midst. 